with Star Wars fans and YouTubers all around the galaxy. Welcome back to the show. This is Han Talks First. I, of course, am your host, Han, the captain of the Falcon, the, the smuggler of the Resistance, etc., etc., etc. Well, I'm very glad to be here again today on Monday. I hope you guys are having a great Monday as well. We are uh, off to a great start here because we have a bunch of great new topics, some updates on some of the recent shows that are coming to the Disney Plus, and uh, just a whole bunch of other stuff today. I'm, I'm in a I'm in a pretty good mood. Had a good morning. I have a good cup of coffee to get me through this stream. For those of you that are watching the live stream on YouTube, I apologize for the the framing. I tried to fix it, but for some reason, my camera has a default setting that automatically goes to full screen. So I, I fixed it once, but I got to figure out how to make it a default because I'm using a DSLR instead of like a regular webcam or something like that, just to have a little bit better quality. And uh, it just it moved it back to full screen. So that's why there's the black bars on the side here. So I'm going to I'm going to work on it. I'm going to try and fix it. So I apologize for that. But anyway. How are you guys doing? If you're with us live, please um, join the chat board and, you know, you can tell me how you're doing. Tell me what you want to talk about today, or you could just share anything that's on your mind, whatever you feel like talking about. It's totally cool. I got my midichlorian shirt on today. Midichlorians. Got to count them all. And I'm also in a Sithy mood today. I have my Sith holocron earring in uh, because we'll be talking about origins of not just the dark side, but also origins of the Sith today as well and how they pertain to modern day Star Wars. But like I said, there's tons of other stuff to talk about. Some of the topics we have today are the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, some updates and some behind the scenes photos that were taken of the set, which are pretty exciting to look at. I'm going to put those up on the screen later. Also talking about Star Wars High Republic. I did just recently start listening to the audiobook of The Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. I'm not finished yet, so there's not going to be, I'm not really going to talk about spoilers, so you don't have to worry about getting anything ruined for you, but we will be talking about just the overall tone of the book and how it begins to set up this new universe of the High Republic. And finally, also talking about Dark Jedi slash Sith, the origins of it, how it came to be what it is today, and how they're reflected on in the original trilogy, prequel trilogy, and of course, sequel trilogy as well. Um, just a little bit of uh, updates on what happened to me this weekend. Well, I got a new poster in, in my studio here. For those of you that are watching on the YouTube or on the Facebook page, you can see that I have, I have, uh, a new hope and the force awakens behind me. Now there's a reason why I have those two, because I that three, a three poster setup behind me for when I do streams and videos and stuff like that. And I wanted each of the first installment of each trilogy in a movie poster behind me. So I had these two and I just recently got the Phantom Menace. Uh, you can't see it on the screen, but here is a picture I took of it. I know it's kind of hard to see. And then that is all of them together. And those are up on the Instagram if you want to check those out. But I'm really happy with it. and. At some point, I'll get around to actually having, you know, all three of them behind me. Uh, it'll just require some time and possibly a new setup for 
my studio here, but yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Five likes in the chat already. That's amazing. We haven't even begun to talk about the topics. So um, if you are watching live, please drop a like, or if you're watching this after the live stream, please leave a like. It helps out the video so much. And I hope you enjoy the content we're going to talk about today. One more thing off the top that I forgot to talk about last week, actually, which was kind of big news, and I can't believe I forgot about it, but it was the Star Wars, uh, the new video game division, Lucasfilm Games. It looks like LucasArts has rebranded themselves and begun Lucasfilm Games, and we're getting tons of new games in the future. And if you're wondering how this is different than what we had previously, well, since the Disney acquisition we had, Battlefront 1 and 2, we had Jedi Fallen Order, uh, and most recently Rogue Squadrons. And I, I'm i sure there was something else that I'm forgetting, but I can't think of it at this time. But I, I think that might be it. But anyway, a lot less than what we used to get from LucasArts in the video games uh, or from other studios. And that's mainly because Disney was only in conjunction with EA Games and I guess Respawn also as the game developer and studio that was making those games. And now Lucasfilm <clears throat> started their own division where they'll be branching off and working with other game studios and developers to make more games in the future. So we have um, Ubisoft, I believe. I think that's one of them. And then another one was Beth Bethseda. I can't remember the name. But anyway, what's really cool to me about all of this is I'm a... I really don't play. I don't consider myself a gamer. I do play games. I enjoy them, but I'm not. I don't consider myself a, you know, big time, you know, heavy nerd on the video games and stuff like that as much as other people do. But one of the ones I always go back to is Doom. Doom, I think, is kind of a game changer when it comes to first person shooters. Uh, the lore is also very, very in depth and very complex and interesting and it's just great gameplay graphics and everything the frame rate is incredible and the company that made doom is going to be making a star wars game coming up which i'm really excited about because i love doom and another one that i always go back to is halo halo is my ultimate ultimate game that's that's the game i always go back to it's my favorite video game of all time i have so many memories with that i look forward to every single release and most recently halo infinite well some of the early game developers from the original Halo will be working on a new Star Wars game, which really excites me. I saw that news too. Not the same company, but some of the people that worked on the original will be joining to work a new Star Wars game. I forgot which company that it is working with. But on top of that, you know, it's not just Star Wars. We're also getting an Indiana Jones video game. And knowing Lucasfilm, we're probably going to get a whole bunch of other stuff as well. So overall, I'm just really excited about it. I, I can't wait to see what comes. And I and the game's great. A lot of people have had problems with some of the most recent video games, uh, especially the ones done by EA. I'm talking about Battlefront, <laughs> Fallen Order was great. <clears throat> uh, another last thing I'll mention, you know, I've been playing a lot more of that uh, VR Star Wars Tales from Galaxy's Edge game. And if you remember last week, I was saying I really enjoy this game and I think I enjoy it more than I did Vader Immortal and I think it's a better game. Well, I'm starting to backtrack on that opinion because I'm getting further into Galaxy's Edge. It's it's a really, don't get me wrong, it's a fantastic game. I love it. Uh, it's open world, so many different missions and jobs and the 
the gameplay itself and the the way you move around and utilize your your belt utilities and your guns and all this is fantastic. I love it. I think those aspects are better than Immortal because Immortal is a very limited scope as far as where you can go in Vader's castle and stuff like that. But the narrative of of Vader Immortal is ten times better than Galaxy's Edge. Uh, I finally realize that now. It, it also has a purpose and a drive to the game that I think Tales of Galaxy's Edge does not have. When I'm playing Tales of Galaxy's Edge, I find myself in situations where I don't know what I'm supposed to do anymore. I, I, it, there's, there's different objectives you have to do. A very small one, for example, is you have to hunt for three porgs that are, have nested in a bar in a cantina at, at Batu. You have to find them and destroy the nests so they don't come back and ruin the environment of the, of the bar. And so you have to find three of them and I'm looking around trying to find them. And it's like near impossible to find out where these nests are. And it's not a very big cantina and there's no prompts or HUDs that you can look at to tell you where they are. And therefore you can't complete that mission and go on to the next one. So it's very, I just think it needs a little bit more assistance to the player in that type of aspect, but I'm still playing it. I might change my mind again. We'll see. But Vader Immortal is awesome. If you want to see my video on Vader Immortal, I did a two-part review on the channel. You can go check that out there. It also has some gameplay as well. We're going to start moving on to the actual conversation, the reason why you guys are here. And um, just going to remind everybody who's just tuning in now, uh, this is a Star Wars channel. We do have videos every Monday and Wednesday. On Monday is a live stream, and we just added a new live stream show on Friday talking about WandaVision. It's the WandaVision After Show with me and my girlfriend. If you're new here, thanks for joining us. All the seniors who have stuck around with me since the beginning, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate your support. Go check out the Instagram, the Twitter, the TikTok. You know, Ask questions, whatever you want to talk about. We'll talk about it here today. You can also support this channel if you'd like to. There is a tipping option at www.streamelements.com slash first slash tip. You could buy me a coffee. You could support this show. You could do it. You know, I don't expect it, but it's always appreciated and it helps me keep this show going as long as possible. So like every Monday, we're going to start off with our main segment, which is Star Wars Replay. So here we go with this week's episode of that. Star Wars Replay! Star Wars Replay is where we replay major moments and events that happened this week in Star Wars history. And this week, back in 1931, James Earl Jones, the voice of Darth Vader, was born. In 1948, Carl Weathers, Griff Carga from The Mandalorian, was also born. And the last birthday was in 1949, Lawrence Kasdan, the writer of The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens, and Solo, was also born. In 1982, Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, and Peter Mayhew guest starred on The Muppet Show. And in 1983, The Revenge of the Jedi comic strip concluded its run. That's it for Star Wars Replay. Tune in next week to find out what major moments and events happened next week in Star Wars history. So yeah, pretty great, huh? There was a lot of birthdays that happened this week. Most notably, James Earl Jones. We thank you so much for your service to Star Wars and bringing to life such an amazing villain with such an iconic voice. And uh, also Lawrence Kasdan for writing a good chunk of the Star Wars movies as well. So let's jump into the first main topic today, okay? And we're going to talk all about Obi-Wan Kenobi and the new series coming to Disney+. And how recently there were some uh, photos leaked of the set from Obi-Wan. So we did find out that Kenobi is being filmed 
at a former quarry in Little Marlow, Buckinghamshire. They'll be starting shooting in March. That was confirmed by uh, Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan himself. And the place they're shooting at is usually a very uh, quiet area, a very rural part of that town and stuff. And some of the villagers that are local to Little Marlow are furious over massive production uh, with concerns over traffic, lighting, and local wildfire. So check it out. Here is a few of the pictures of the set down at Mitt Little Marlow. So it looks like it looks very similar to that of the Mandalorian set back where Griff Karga uh, is and where the Mandalorian covert used to be. One picture that I found very interesting was this one. It's the tallest building on the set. And it reminds it, of course, is on Tatooine, but it reminds me of Tatooine. It's very reminiscent of that. But I'm curious as to what this could be. And these are just some different angles from the shoot. Uh, someone was flying over with a drone and was able to capture some of this footage. And it looked like the only reason they were able to is because, well, it looks abandoned. It looks like the crew had gone home for that day. I'm going to continue to show you some more of these photos. And while I do, I'm going to read you some of the quotes from the local villagers of Little Marlow. So this one says here, this is a massive production and a hugely lucrative franchise, but obviously not everyone locally is pleased to see Disney's moving in. It might generate jobs, but this is a pretty rural area which has always been quiet and peaceful, and the thought of it turning into some sort of intergalactic war zone to make a TV show is horrifying. The set is massive with great big buildings on it alongside loads of heavy-duty machinery coming and going. It's just totally out of keeping with the countryside vibe here, and people are up in arms about it. So again, this is the these are the pictures of the set, or at least one of the locations for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And apparently, a bunch of the locals are not happy about it, which is understandable. But you know, it's it's kind of odd to hear this because, you know, they whenever whoever was scouting for this show had to look around and you had to get approval for this type of stuff. And then, of course, uh, you have to have zoning licenses and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, they they're mindful of their surroundings. And Dis but Disney Plus has is notorious for like uh, taking land and, uh, you know, causing a bunch of commotion when they're shooting something. And uh, it's. It's good and bad to get this nude. On one hand, I'm sad that the locals are kind of upset about, you know, all the loud noises and stuff that is coming to this. I thought the one quote was really funny about, you know, now it's going to turn into an intergalactical war zone, which is kind of, <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. But at the same time, I'm really happy because uh, look at the size of the set. This isn't your normal type of, of TV show set. This is a huge production and they're, you know, sparing no expense to give us a great obi-wan kenobi series now if you see in this picture in the white the white um warehouse in the background i feel like that's an indoor uh soundstage where maybe they're doing some indoor shots and stuff like that but this is um this is great news because this the, the sheer scale of this set shows that they're you know putting a lot of work into this and uh, they really care about this story and it, it's got to be a good story this could be a scene for a uh, dramatic fight it could also just be a scene of you know 
a very simple shot of Obi-Wan Kenobi walking through the town uh, on Tatooine or at Moss Eisley or something like that. I don't think this is Moss Eisley, but the photos are really cool. If you're an audio listener, uh, please go to the YouTube channel and check this out. I will snip it out and put it as a separate video so you don't have to hunt through the live stream to try and find it. But this is really cool. I'm really excited about this. These photos give me a lot of hope for this show. Not that I didn't have hope before, but um, it's it's exciting nonetheless. The last bit of Obi-Wan news that I want to talk about, which again, I didn't talk about last week, which I should have, is the rumblings that Liam Neeson is going to come back and reprise his role as Qui-Gon Jinn in the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. So here's what happened. He was being interviewed by Frosty... Weintraub, I think is his name, on Collider. He's the guy who started Collider. And he was, uh, Frosty asked him a a simple question, hey, would you be interested in coming back as Qui-Gon Jinn? And he said, yeah, sure, I'd be up for it. And that was that. Now, what's interesting about this is the following, following up to that, uh, he was asking general questions about Star Wars, what he thinks about it. And Liam Neeson was like, oh, is Star Wars really popular? Has it kind of like faded away already? Like, are people still really into that? And it just felt very odd it felt very staged it's almost as if he was trying to you know distract the audience from the thought of him coming back and my theory is he's coming back and he knows he's already signed his contracts he's already made the negotiations he's maybe has already even started shooting something who knows but i think he was trying to distract people from the idea that maybe he is not coming back i I totally believe he is and just Watching him in that interview is a little different than the way he's acted in previous interviews. You know, he he kind of shrugged it off, but you could tell he wants to come back and he does love that character. I mean, even when after shooting The Phantom Menace, people are asking about how much he disliked if he if he hated the experience or not, or like because they were such bad movies, some of the interviewers would ask. And he would say, No, I love doing those movies. I love playing that role. I love working with George. So I think he is totally up for coming back, and I think we will see him reprise his role as Qui-Gon Jinn in the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show. But that's it for this. these updates on the Obi-Wan show. As soon as we get more, I will share them with you. Uh, again, here are some of the pictures. Very exciting stuff. I can't wait to see what comes of this show. What do you guys think? Are you guys excited about this show or not? Uh, I, I totally am. I can't wait to see more. And hopefully we'll have some real amazing updates coming in the future. So next up, let's talk about one of the reasons why a lot of you might be watching this episode, and that is Star Wars High Republic. We're going to talk about the light of the Jedi. Now, again, I have started this book. I have not finished it. So this will be a rough kind of discussion about it, just about the maybe the first half of it. I won't be going into spoilers, so you do not have to worry about you know anything being ruined for you. I just want to talk about how this book has already begun to set up this universe and provided a new interpretation of the galaxy 200 years before The Phantom Menace. So this book is to set up this new High Republic era, which was announced months ago to be Project Luminous, that we now know as the High Republic. And we all know this because this was in the marketing for it, that this book is to introduce a new threat to destroy several worlds in the galaxy. And they call upon the Jedi to come help. Now, one of the main things I want to talk about in this book is one of the highlight characters. 
possibly one of my favorite, and that is Avar Chris. Now, Avar Chris actually has appeared in Star Wars before Light of the Jedi. She actually came up in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book. I've never read that, so I can't give you my thoughts on it. But I did um, hear about her before. Now, this is a picture of her, uh, an official picture of her from the Star Wars website. I'm going to read you their official description of Avar so that I don't give away any spoilers. Avar is the brightest, most noble example of Jedihood. She always tries to see the good in people and situations and never puts herself first. She is invigorated about life on the frontier and the challenges it brings and is an inspiration for those who work with her. She is compassionate, not dogmatic, and always ready to sacrifice herself over others. Avar Chris is the best of the best. So that's a good uh, definition of her, I think, and it, it definitely comes through in her character. Uh, the book is... I try not to give too much away because uh, as soon as I'm done, I will do a spoiler review, but I don't want to ruin anything for anyone who hasn't read it. Um, but Avar is one of my favorites. She has a good history and relationship with other characters in the book and outside of the book. And we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. She she is very powerful with the Force. She has a very high end count, as uh, someone from The Mandalorian would say, Dr. Pershing. Uh, and one of the special things about her is this power that was introduced in the book, this new lightsaber ability that hasn't been seen before. It's caused some controversy. Some people don't like it. A lot of people do love it. Now I'm going to read you a passage from the book that describes what this new power is. And again, if you don't want to know, just tune out for about 30 seconds as I read this or you know, come back later after you've read the book so you don't have to get it ruined for you. So here's the passage from the book. It says, the weapon began to rotate, talking about the lightsaber, slowly, like a blade of a windmill. It made a sound as it moved through the air, a low, droning hum. Avar breathed in, out, and blade slowly sped up. The tone of its passage through the air changed, no longer a low drone, but a higher pitch, a lovely round note. The lightsaber moved faster, its blade now too fast to see, a green circle of light with a shining metallic center. It was beautiful, but Avar closed her eyes. She did not need to see it. She needed to hear it. Her lightsaber was not just a weapon. Here, now, it was an instrument. Now, this passage, I actually really enjoyed. I really love this part, and it really defines who Avar is a lot better than some of the other passages because of this force ability. And for those of you that don't know me, I am a musician. I consider myself a musician before anything else uh, such as a Star Wars uh, you, uh, podcaster. But, you know, this really explains that Avar views the Force like music. Hearing the song of life and death and then singing it in return, singing back to it in return. And I think this is a, a, a fresh new look on how a Jedi can relate to the Force and connect with the the world around them. And... Another thing about this that is connecting the force to music, which is really special about her, is that she has this rare skill where she can detect bonds between force users. And she can either strengthen them, she could weaken them, but she can help other force users come together to enhance their force spiritual bond. And of course, this has to do with her viewing the force as music and the, the song of the force and with the lightsaber, how it 
how it hums when it when it changes from you know high to low uh levels of from the ground and it's just a weird new way to look at it and stuff like that and here's another great thing about her now this i'm going to show an expert an excerpt from the lightsaber collection book that just recently came out now this lightsaber i'm going to show you here actually belongs to stalin gios who also is another character from high republic um at one point though avar does get to wield this and this is a really really cool lightsaber and i think it partially has to do with the inspiration of kylo ren's lightsaber so check this out here's a picture of it okay now, what's really cool about this lightsaber is you can see the top of it. That's actually a cross guard hilt. When you ignite the lightsaber, they go down to form a cross symbol. And then when you distinguish the blade, it opens, it you know closes back up to like that, closing off the entrance of it. That's what it looks like when it's lit, lit up. Pretty cool, huh? So again, this blade actually belonged to Stellan Gios. I'll read you a little bit from this passage. It says, Gio's lightsaber is an elegant weapon with a cross guard and a longer hilt that allows him to easily wield it with two hands like a broadsword. The cross guard's quillions point forward when the saber is not in use, and the weapon rests in a holster that leaves the saber easily accessible. The hilt features striking black, gold, and silver details, and when the lightsaber ignites, the cross guard blades push the quillions outward forming caps to the blades and creating a secondary guard. So again, here is that picture. And again, this is another lightsaber that was introduced in the High Republic. This book's great. If you want to check it out, it's the lightsaber collection book. It has details and pictures of every lightsaber there is known to come up in Star Wars, but it's pretty cool. So overall, The Light of the Jedi, it's a different type of book. It's different than, again, no spoilers here. It's different than other books we've had in the series. Now, I, I love the Star Wars books. The few that I've read, few considering how many hundreds there are. Some of my favorites have been the Thrawn books, the original Thrawn trilogy, Heir to the Empire, and also the newer ones as well. I love Timothy Zahn's writing. But the way it differs from those is that, you know, I understand this is an exposition piece. It's just its intent is to set up the high republic and you know introduce us to this this new world in this galaxy that took place so long ago and what ultimately led up to the events of the prequel trilogy i assume but it's different the tone is different you know thrawns with the heir to the empire books <clears throat> are similar in the ways where they introduce a a wide range of new characters but they're different in the ways that you know, it's not connected to anything we know at this point. Yes, Yoda appears in the High Republic, but that's really all we have to grasp onto at this point, aside from, you know, dogmatic views of the Jedi and all that kind of stuff as well. But it's, it's just different. I don't know how to put it without, you know, really giving anything away. Uh, obviously, this book is more connected with the Jedi than anything we've seen before. It's called Light of the Jedi, and the High Republic is when the Jedi are at their prime, and it's when the Order is established to be what it is at it, at its beginnings and you know overall the whole thing with the characters like i said they introduce a lot of new characters but they they introduce a lot of new characters it's a bit overwhelming at times and for reasons i can't get into because it will spoil it for you but there's a lot of great characters in this you know there's a new wookie jedi which is really cool 
But again, uh, sometimes I feel like I'm a bit overwhelmed because of <clears throat> all the new characters we're getting introduced to. And I want to kind of grasp onto each one and learn more about them. But instead, it moves on to other things as well. Another great addition to this, since we're talking about characters, is the uh, the Nahil, which is a, a group of pirates. They're, they're a pretty cool addition to this as well. They, they've been in Star Wars before, but uh, I, I love having their perspective and uh, kind of seeing them in action too. I think their storyline is pretty great as well. But that is, that's it for you know talking about Light of the Jedi today. Uh, again, here are some pictures of Avar Chris, who is my favorite character. She's fantastic, and I can't wait to see more from her in the future. Now, if you all are curious about this book and you want to get it yourself, but you're, you know, you don't have time to order a book online, wait for it to be shipped to you, etc. Well, you can also get it on an audio format as well, which is what I do, which brings us to our sponsor of today's video. Thank you so much for watching. Today's video is sponsored by Audible. Audible is an online audiobook and podcast service that allows users to purchase and stream audiobooks and other forms of spoken word content. And because you listen to my show, I'm going to give you a 30-day free trial to Audible. Just go to the link in the description below, www.audibletrial.com slash first. My resolution this year is to read more books. They make you smarter, but they can also bring you closer to the things you love, like Star Wars. Now, if you're like me and you try to get your hands on every single Star Wars book you can possibly find, then you probably have the same problem I do. Shelf space. But it's not just about that. Audible is the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling, enriching the lives of millions of listeners every day. Audible has everything you need. Audiobooks, Audible originals, podcasts, and more. Thousands of titles. And you can listen anywhere, anytime, on your phone, on your computer, in your car, and they're always launching new content. And it's less than 10 bucks a month with the Audible Plus plan. But like I said, you can get 30 days for free with the link in the description below, www.audibletrial.com slash Han Talks First. It's time to start listening, my friends. Link below. Enjoy. Okay, so you guys should definitely go and do that. We're going to move into our final topic of the day, which is kind of an offbeat topic. It's nothing about news or updates about TV shows or anything like that, but it's actually about the Dark Jedi themselves and a bit about the origins of the Sith. Now, I'm not going to talk about everything regarding the Sith because we would be here all day and I don't have the, you know, computer capability to stream for like four hours so <laughs> we'll we'll just talk about a general aspect looking at it so i'm going to miss a few details here but i'm going to try and give you a a general idea of everything that i'm talking about so let's start off by talking about what dark jedi are and again this is going to bring us back to that heir to the empire book that we just talked about so the dark jedi was introduced in the heir to the empire book which was written by timothy zahn and it basically defined the Dark Jedi as any Force user who fell to the dark side. Didn't have to be a Jedi, but any Force user, it could be a witch, it could be just an everyday person or a Jedi, who fell to the dark side became a Dark Jedi. Now, the first Dark Jedi ever, according to Legends novels, was a man named Zendor. Now, Zendor was a former Jedi Knight. And he often spoke out against the Jedi Order because 
they refused you know to study all aspects of the force like they talk about in the uh, revenge of the sith you know talking about the narrow views the dogmatic ways of the jedi and their teachings so at this at this time zendor was specifically talking about bogon bogon was the dark side the dark ways of the force dark magic that type of dark power capability that the jedi order refused to teach and after many times of his request to teach bogon to jedi academy students after he failed to have them you know see their see his way of things he broke away from the order he left the jedi order and he started his own academy where he could choose to train his students and anything they he wanted to teach them about and he taught them about bogon and they became bogon wielders uh, his academy students and this ultimately after a couple of years it led to a war with the jedi so there was a huge war against jedi and bogon wielders other, otherwise known as dark jedis now of course the bogons failed the jedi won they beat the bogon wielders but it wasn't the end it wasn't the end for the dark jedi it was actually the beginning for the sith now the sith originally is a race it wasn't the title for a dark jedi or a dark side force user but it was actually a race of of aliens from the planet korriban and that, that that was on the outer rim now the korriban is the home of the sith the original origins of that and this species was adept to the dark side of the force just by being innate to you know their culture being on the outer rim not being open to any other types of cultures and stuff like that and they were adept to that dark side power so a man named ajunta paul excuse me if i got that wrong he he actually invaded the planet of korriban a long time ago and he merged both dark jedi and sith and then become he became the first dark lord of the sith when he invaded he was a dark jedi at the time he invaded them. He saw that this group of people, this group of Sith species, studied the same things he did. And he brought in his own philosophies and ideals as a dark Jedi, combined the two, and decided to you know, pretty much make his own academy there. And he became the first Dark Lord of the Sith. Again, that was Ajunta Pal. And I don't have a picture for him. I apologize. Now, not all dark Jedi were Sith. And not all Sith were dark Jedi. Similar to like the Dathomir witches from the Clone Wars. If any of you have seen the Clone Wars, you know that there is the dark witches of um, Dathomir come in a lot in that show. And that is the female species of the uh, Darth Maul's race that live on Dathomir. Now they are, again, they're just like the Sith. They're adept to dark side magic in their own way they have their their own culture and history with it but you know they're also adept to it as well and they are in some ways dark jedi but they don't have the same title because that's how they were born into it they didn't study any of the other ways to it they specifically focused on this dark energy now we could we can relate this back to asaz ventress as well because asaz ventress never became a sith she was a dark jedi because she fell she fell from the Jedi order or she, she was a force user who fell to the dark side and her goal was to become a Sith. 
she was always loyal to the Sith, but she herself never became a Sith Lord. And that's another great example of how not all dark Jedi are Sith. So Asajj Ventress is a dark Jedi. Of course, when we think Sith, we always think of Darth Vader and we always think of Palpatine. Those are the two big ones, at least in the movie franchise. But there's also tons more. There's Darth Revan. There's Darth Malak. There's Darth Bishia. There's tons. There's a huge Lord. Knights of the Old Republic gave us so much of that stuff, which is great. But one thing I want to talk about, actually, which is kind of maybe a little controversial, but it does have to do with the original trilogy, and that is Luke Skywalker. Is Luke Skywalker a dark Jedi? All of us love Luke, at least hope so. If you don't like Luke Skywalker, I, I often wonder what what is wrong with you. <laughs> I love Luke Skywalker. You love Luke Skywalker. We're going to talk about him in the original trilogy. Now, in Return of the Jedi, when he comes back at the beginning of the film at Jabba's Palace, he's wearing not his normal clothes, not his white heroic purity clothes. He's wearing dark robes. What is the significance of this? Well, for one, it was to tease his turn to the dark side in that movie. At the time when that movie came out, there was a lot of that Luke turned to the dark side to join his father, that Darth Vader would force him to turn to the dark side, and many other possibilities as well. Or he would destroy his father so he could take over as the new emperor and stuff like that. Well, they didn't end up being true. The possibility back then was that he would turn. Now, it's also another possibility that George Lucas, Lawrence Kasdan, and all the other creators of the original trilogy didn't actually know what attire a Jedi would wear at that time because they hadn't established that world yet. You know, this was a new era for Star Wars. So it could be that they were like, hey, black looks cool. Let's put it on. But I want to talk about something a little bit riskier to his dress code in Return of the Jedi, and that is that he is a dark Jedi. We have seen Luke Skywalker use force abilities that seem to be not of the old Jedi way, whether it's High Republic, whether it's the prequel movies. You know, he didn't have those type of teachings as old Academy students did, such as Obi-Wan and Anakin and all that kind of stuff. So he has to learn the force in his own manner. We saw in The Last Jedi, he uses one of the one of the most powerful force powers ever to transport himself across the galaxy to save what's little left of the resistance. So he studies the Force on his own. He's he has his own teacher, which is really cool. But are some of the Force powers that he used, would they be against the Jedi way back during the High Republic or the New Republic era? I would think so. And I think this tease is that Luke Skywalker could be a dark Jedi. Not to say that he's a bad guy, but that his powers aren't limited and he can really do whatever he wants to. Now, one thing that's very interesting about the end of Return of the Jedi, when Luke Skywalker saves his father, after after he fights him, after the Emperor is thrown off the balcony, once they get down to the ship and his father begins to die, if you look at the picture on the screen here, Luke Skywalker is helping take off his mask, and his robes start to fold off, and you see what's on the inside of his robe is actually white. And a little bit of white shines from Luke's outfit. Now, this is very apparent that it was to tease that he could have possibly gone to the dark side of the Force. 
But because his father was redeemed, because of Vader's karma, which we talked about last week, because he redeemed his father, he was able to redeem himself. It's a very controversial topic, and I know a lot of you want to agree with me. But again, look at this picture. Look at the symbolism of this scene. After he saves his father, and, and Anakin is the returning Jedi of the film, so is Luke. I was talking with someone after my show last week, and uh, they, they, I got a message from them, and they said, you ruined Star Wars for me. And I was like, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And he was like, dude, I went 25 years, 26 years thinking that Luke was the return of the Jedi. And you told me that it was Anakin. Well, I'm here today to say that one, you can you know interpret a movie however you want to. Movies are ambiguous. Art is ambiguous. And art is subjective. But two... Luke is also the return of the Jedi. There are two Jedi there. Jedi is a singular noun and a plural noun. So in Return of the Jedi, it is the return of Anakin. Yes, I think that is the main motif of that film. But also Luke Skywalker. Again, here's that picture for those of you watching on the YouTube channel. Luke Skywalker comes back to the, to the light side of the Force completely. He was a dark Jedi after the events of The Empire Strikes Back. You could also argue in the middle of The Empire Strikes Back, he was a fallen Jedi and went to the dark side for a little bit. But in Return of the Jedi, he comes back to the light and he is a full-on Jedi. Now we can go on with this later, like years down, 30 years down, when he starts to rebuild an, uh, an order and he, he turns on his nephew Kylo. And he, you could say he fell again, fell to the dark side. But that's a whole other topic I'm specifically talking about Return of the Jedi here, the original trilogy. But the thing I want to talk about with him regarding the Dark Jedi and the Sith and stuff like that. If you guys want to know more about the Sith, I know I skipped over a huge amount of details, but you can let me know in the comments below if you want to see more of that. I'd be happy to do it. There's tons of stuff to talk about with the history of the Sith and the Dark Jedi and all that kind of stuff. But that is all that I have regarding that today, so I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you guys enjoy the show today. That's really all I have for you as well. And again, if you're new here, thank you so much for listening. It means so much to me that you would take some time out of your day to join us on the channel and, or on the podcast and talk about some Star Wars. Uh, and uh, you know, if, if you haven't told your friends about the show already, please do. Because the, this podcast, it, it grows from word of mouth. And I've had a lot of followers suggest this show to other people and it has grown in that way and uh, that means so much to me and uh, we'll have to do another show soon where we do a Star Wars fan Q&A because I really enjoyed the one we did last time but again this is Han Talks First a Star Wars show new episodes every Monday and Wednesday Monday is a live stream so if you're a podcast listener and you want to watch the show live you can come to the YouTube Mondays at 12 p.m. Pacific time or 3 p.m. Eastern time. And you can watch the, sh uh, the show live. You can ask questions in the chat board and we can answer them here <laughs> today. No one has asked any questions, so we didn't answer any questions. Um, and of course, on Friday is the new 
show of Han Talks First, the WandaVision after show hosted by me and my girlfriend. We talk about each week's episode of WandaVision and what could possibly be next in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But again, that's it for me today. Hope you had fun. Have a great rest of your week. I'll see you all on Wednesday with another episode of Han Talks First. And until then, my friends, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.